I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at Chapter 20 of Breaking Dawn, New. So where we left off, Bella became a vampire, and so this chapter, titled New, (laughs) is because she's going through a new experience. She's a new person. She's seeing new things. That seems a bit on the nose, doesn't it? I really think Stephanie Meyer, her strength isn't in coming up with chapter titles. It's like, hmm, what can be this chapter heading for the chapter where everything's new for Bella? Hmm, let's just say new. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So she's awake and she says everything was so clear. It was sharp, it was defined. And oh, okay. So this is gonna be boring because she's literally going to go around the room and point out things. So she's gonna describe how she can see things in great detail and they're things that I don't think anyone in their right mind cares about. So she says, the brilliant light overhead was blinding bright and I could plainly see the glowing strands of the filaments inside the light bulb. Oh my goodness gracious me. All this time I've been wanting Bella to become a vampire so that it would be interesting. And Stephanie just says, yeah, well, she's a vampire and the first thing she's going to notice is the light bulb. And then she's going to describe the light bulb to us. Like, jeepers creepers. I want her and Edward to have hot sex, hot vampire sex. I want her to go test out her strength. I want to see her climbing up trees and running around and jumping around and moving super fast. But now we're getting a description of a light bulb. Okay, so the light bulb's pretty. And she says she can, oh my God, behind the light, she could distinguish the individual grains in the dark wood ceiling above it. Oh, wow. You can see grains of wood. That's thrilling. She does say that she can now see an extra color. That's kind of cool. She says she can see every light on the spectrum, including an eighth color that she had no name for. I wonder if the vampires have named this color. If you were a vampire, what would you name a a, a discovered color? Let me know. So, all right, that's interesting for a second. Then she starts describing dust mites. Oh my Jiminy God. She says, I could see dust motes in the air. She says, they spun like planets moving around each other in a celestial dance. Bitch, it's dust. It's dust. I don't give a toss about dust. She says, the dust was so beautiful that I inhaled in shock. And the air whistled down my throat, swirling the motes into a vertex. So she's breathing in dust, which I guess we all do, but I'd rather not know about it. You know, 
So she swallows in this air because she gasped at the beauty of dust. And she says, oh, that's weird, swallowing air. She's like, that action sort of feels really wrong. She says, I realize that there was no relief tied to the action. I don't need air. My lungs weren't waiting for it. They reacted indifferently to the influx. So this is canon that vampires don't need to breathe. And yet last chapter, she was counting 836,000 breaths of Edwards. I think the explanation is that vampires don't need to breathe, but they like to breathe. She says, I liked it because I could taste the room around me. She could taste all that lovely dust. She says she could taste the mix of stagnant air mingling with the flow of slightly cooler air from the open door. How in the world is that a pleasant taste? Mmm, stagnant air and dust. Then she says she could taste a lush whiff of silk. What the fuck's that taste like? Taste a faint hint of something warm and desirable, something that should be moist but wasn't. What the fuck's she talking about? Then she says, and most of all, I could taste an almost honey, lilac and sun flavored scent. A sun flavored scent. That was the strongest thing, the closest to me. So that's Edward's taste. The, the air coming off of Edward seems to taste like the sun and honey. Uh, Alicia's not still talking about dust. Then all the other vampires in the room start to breathe. It's a regular old breathing party. And then she's breathing in their breath. And she says their breath mixed with the scent that was something just off honey and lilac and sunshine, which is Edward's scent, bringing new flavors such as cinnamon, pear, seawater, rising bread, rising bread, pine, vanilla, leather, apple, moss, lavender, chocolate, you know what? All individually kind of nice, but throw them into one big scent heap. And I think that's disgusting. I don't know how she's, okay, I get that she's a vampire, but for me, it's like when you know, when you go to try and smell colognes and then like after the third cologne, you smell or the third perfume, you're like, I can't smell shit because it's too much for your senses. But I guess what Stephanie's trying to say is that when you're a vampire, you can smell all this crap and not dull the senses. And she describes this as so sweet and so pleasant. Although I, I don't know if I really like the mixture of like moss and leather and seawater and bread. And then she says the TV downstairs had been muted and she heard someone, she thinks Rosalie, shift their weight on the first floor. So she must have super fucking senses if she can sense that the TV has been muted. Like how does she know it's been muted and not turned off? I can't for the life of me figure that one out. And then she hears rap music and she's like, what the hell? Who's listening to rap music? And then she realizes that it's a car going past on the freeway. And she's like, whoa, I can hear all the way out to the freeway. That's pretty good. So already we were trained to think that as soon as she'd become a newborn vampire, that she'd be blood crazy. She wouldn't be herself. And yet here she is standing, looking at dust and listening to rap music and just assessing all her new talents. So she's already remarkably in control. And yet at the same time, while she's hearing you know, rap music from the freeway. She says, I didn't realize someone was holding my hand until whoever it was squeezed it lightly. So like, she doesn't even know someone's holding a hand and she doesn't know who that is. And it's like, it's clearly Edward. So she's still coming around. I guess maybe she's overstimulated that she's not figuring out what's actually happening in the room. She can tell that the TV's on mute, but she can't tell what's happening next to her. And she says the touch on the hand wasn't what she expected. The skin wasn't freezing cold. It's the same temperature as she is. And she's like, why? And that shocks her. She's like, what? Who's touching me? That's not got a frozen hand. So she has this instant reaction to get all defensive. And she starts hissing. 
and she was still lying down. So she does a little flip. And so she's in like attack pose. And she says in that little backflip that she was doing, everything should have been a blur, but it wasn't. She could still see every bit of dust and every wood grain. So that's great. That's great to know. It's still dusty in the room in case you were wondering. Then she says, by the time I found myself crouched against the wall defensively, which was about a 16th of a second later, I already understood what had startled me and that I'd overreacted. It was just Edward. And of course, Edward wouldn't feel cold to me now. We were the same temperature. So with all these new talents, we also get her referring to things as happening in like a 16th of a second. So that's going to be fun. And then she's holding the pose for an eighth of a second longer. I don't know what that is. My stupid human brain cannot compute the difference between a 16th of a second and an 18th of a second. You know what I mean? A second's a fucking second in my book. So I don't really need Stephanie to make these differentiations because it's quick. Just say it's fucking quick. Oh, no, she actually moved 184th of a second. Oh, okay, okay. That's different to 116th of a second, which is different to half a second. That adds great context to my reading experience. Thanks, Steph. So Edward's looking all anxious and then she's looking around. And she's cataloging everything in the room, trying to figure out if there's any signs of danger. And she looks and the rest of the Cullens, they're up against the wall with Emmett and Jasper in front. And she's like, oh, that's their position that they would be in if there was danger. And she's like, oh shit, there must be someone, some threat in the room. She's like, oh no, we're in danger. And she's like, where's the threat? Where's the threat? She says, my nostrils flared, searching for the threat, but I could smell nothing out of place. She's like, oh, what are we all so afraid of? And it's like, you bitch, you. I know you just woke up, but you're so stupid. She can hear rap music and know when the TV's on mute, but she can't figure out that she's the threat. And then she sees Alice smiling and she's like, oh, I'm the threat. And maybe she did figure it out quicker than I'm giving her credit for. This might've all been 187th of a second. But while that's all going on, she's also still looking at Edward and she's like, hot damn, hot damn, he's fine. With my new eyesight, he is fine. She says, how many times had I stared at him and marveled over his beauty? I had spent dreaming of this face, this perfect face, this face I'd known better than my own, but now, oof, hey, foin. She says, for the first time with the dimming shadows and limiting weakness of humanity taken off my eyes, I saw his face and she gasped, probably choking down a few dust motes while she was there. I gasped and struggled with my vocabulary. What else is new? Unable to find the right words. I needed better words. So she had. As much as she's superhuman now, she's still an idiot. She's still dumbstruck by Edward's face. So then Edward starts to move towards her, each step taking nearly half a second. And he's like, Bella, he's being all cautious. He's like, yeah, okay. And of course she can't answer right away because she hears his voice and she's lost in the velvet folds of his voice. (laughs) She says it was the most perfect symphony, a symphony in one instrument. I don't, is that possible? I don't, I don't know if that's a thing. I think for a symphony, you need a full orchestra, but okay. She says, yep, it's a symphony in one instrument, an instrument more profound than any created by man. Oh, come off it. I remember reading somewhere, and I think it was this book where Edward was saying how he's designed to trap humans. The, he's so perfect and alluring to humans because they're his prey. Like that's the vampire's design. Vampires are meant to be super sexy and smell super good and sound super good and look super good to draw in human prey. And yet she's also telling us that now that she's a vampire, he's even sexier. His voice is even nicer. So I don't really know where that comes into it. 
what's the evolutionary purpose for vampires being attractive to other vampires? It's not for procreation. Uh, I don't know. So Edward says, Bella, I know it's disorienting, but you're all right. Everything is fine. And so then she's like, everything? She's like, what's he talking about? What's everything? She thinks when he said everything was fine, did that include Renesme? Where was she? Was she with Rosalie? I'm trying to remember her face, but I can't remember. Oh, because my human memories are so shrouded in darkness and so poorly lit. All throughout this chapter, she just negs the human experience. She's like, oh, humans, they can't see properly. They can't even see dust flying around in the room. They can't even see a whole color. And so she's really like analyzing what he means by the word everything. She's thinking, well, what about Jacob? Is he fine? How's Seth and Leah? Have they gone back to Sam's pack? And it's like, no, I don't think when Edward says everything's fine, he's referring to fucking Jacob. She's like, what about Charlie? Has he been calling? Is he fine? She's been a real stickler for the definition of everything, isn't she? She's like, what about Israel and Palestine? Have they sorted that out yet? What about global warming? Is that fine too, Edward? She's like, what does he mean everything? How dare he say everything? Be more specific. So with all these questions, she then deliberates for one small piece of a second over which question to ask first. Okay, so that one's not even gonna get a full like breakdown. We're not getting the fraction of a second. It's just a small piece of a second. But before she can ask, Edward reaches out and brushes his finger over her cheek. And she's like, wow, his finger is as smooth as satin, soft as a feather. It's exactly matched to the temperature of my skin. His touch seemed to sweep beneath the surface of my skin, right through the bones of my face. The feeling was tingly electric. It jolted through my bones, down my spine and trembled in my stomach. And that's just with him touching her face. Imagine if he was actually fingering her. Like, I'm sorry to get graphic, but imagine, imagine she just had a full on orgasm over a finger touching a cheek. Imagine if he actually went downtown. And then she's thinking, wait a minute, why am I feeling so dandy and in love and horned up? I thought being a newborn vampire, it was all meant to be about bloodlust. She's expecting that human emotions and longings wouldn't come to her until much later. And she's like, yeah, I'd accepted that. That was the price I'd agreed to pay. But she's like, but now with Edward finger in my cheek, I'm feeling love. So she throws her arms around him. They have a little hug. She's sniffing in that sweet, delicious scent. And she must be death gripping him because he's like, ow, Bella, ow, ow. Do you want to back off? And she's like, wow. And then she's like, oh, I'm too strong for him. And she mouths, oops. She doesn't say it out loud. It's not her first words yet, but she mouths, oops. So that may as well be her first word as a vampire. Oops. <laughs> Very Bella. And he's like, it's okay. It's okay. You're just, you're stronger than me now. Okay. For the moment. He says, you're just a bit stronger than I am for the moment. I love how he's got to slide that in there. Like, yeah, you're strong now, Bells, but don't get used to it. I'll be back to being top dog. And I don't necessarily know why he would be stronger than her at any point. Is that just a gender thing or is it like an individual trait thing? Shouldn't the vampires all be as strong as each other? It's not like they actually have to go and build muscle at a gym or anything. Why is Edward so confident that he will eventually become stronger than her? Doesn't make sense. And so now she's like, wow, I'm stronger than Edward. (laughs) I made him say, ow, crazy. And then he touches her cheek again and she's like a puddle and she's like, wow, all these emotions, they're a bit much for me. It's hard for me to figure out and focus on one thing at a time. So then she's like, okay, what I'll do is I'll focus on Edward. And so she pulls out her hand and she brushes him along the cheek. And she says, I love you, I said, but it sounded like singing. My voice rang and shimmered like a bell. 
way to humble brag about your own voice, but it's not that great. Your voice sounds like a song and a bell. Well, Edward's a whole fucking symphony. So, I mean, don't have so many tickets on yourself, duh. And then they start making out. He kisses her and she says it's soft as a whisper at first and then suddenly stronger and fiercer. And she had to remember to be gentle with him because they were going to town. They were passion. She says, though I didn't need oxygen, (laughs) again, confirmed, my breathing sped, raced as fast as it had when I was burning. This was a different kind of fire. Oh, so we're back to the fire metaphors. Oh, brother. And I was thinking like, okay, so they're pretty much making out and the whole family's watching. And this is when Emmett, he does a little like, like clearly like, hey, can you guys keep it in your pants? We're all in the room. And she's like, oh, I'd forgotten we weren't alone. And she goes, and then I realized that the way I was curved around Edward now was not exactly polite for company. How curved around him was she? Were they dry humping on her hospital bed? So they pull away and then she takes an unnecessary breath to settle herself. So now, as well as getting fractions of seconds, we're also going to be consistently reminded that she doesn't need to breathe, but that she likes to breathe and that she will choose to breathe. And every breath will be described as unnecessary. So that's fun for us to read. And so she's just thinking about how good that little snog was. She's like, kissing's fun when you're vampires. And she says, you've been holding out on me. And he's like, well, it was sort of necessary at the time. Now it's your turn to not break me. And everyone laughs. And then Carlisle comes forward and he says, how do you feel, Bella? And she considered that for a 64th of a second. A 64th of a second. Can anyone figure out what that is? A 64th. And that's after her considering something. She considered something for a 64th of a second. Whereas I feel like we've had conversations with Edward and he's been like, huh, let me think about that. And he's taken like ages to respond to something. He's not always moved at this superhuman speed, I don't think. Like, remember when she said she missed a period and she thinks she's pregnant back in Isle Esme and he was like frozen solid on the spot for like three minutes? His brain must have been doing a lot of computing in that moment. If she can figure out something in a 64th of a second, but he can't figure it out in three minutes, it's like, well, he must have been going through a lot. I don't know. It just seems inconsistent. And Carla's looking at her thinking, wow, you're quite controlled more than I ever expected. Even with the time you had to prepare yourself mentally for this. And he says, it seems like we did something right with the morphine this time. What do you remember of the transformation process? And it's like, bitch, can we get her a drink, Carlisle, before the 20 questions kick in? Poor Dahl is probably thirsty as fuck. And Carlisle's like, While I've got you, let me just uh, get you to recreate everything for me. Just take me through the process from woe to go. Tell me all your side effects. I've got to jot this down in my little notebook. Like, bitch, give her a minute. And of course, she doesn't want Edward to feel bad that she had a horrible process becoming a vampire. And so she's going to pretend that the morphine was fine. She's like, oh yeah, it worked great. Which I think is a bit dodged because what if they're ever in a position where they have to turn someone into a vampire again and you're what just going to ignore the fact that it was a horrible process i guess carlisle's not submitting this experience into any like medical journals or anything but i don't know vampires talk this could benefit someone and she's also like i yeah i had a baby anybody want to update the mother of that child on on the baby's progress perhaps and edward says oh well renee's healthy she's healthy and well and she goes cool that's all she needs. She's like, all right, great. And Edward's like, yeah, now that that's out of the way, tell us, what do you remember about the transformation process? So back to that. And she's like, yeah, nothing. Uh, 
don't remember anything. And Carlisle's like, great, morphine really did the trick. Let me hop on the phone to Geneva and let them know. And now she's worried because she just lied that she's gonna blush and give herself away. But then she's like, oh, wait a minute, I don't blush anymore, jackpot. She's like, I friggin' jagged it. I no longer have to blush. That means I can protect Edward from the truth. Whoop-de-doo. And then she does think, oh, I probably should tip off Carlisle one day though. She says someday, if he ever needed to create another vampire, he should know. Although that possibility seemed very unlikely, which made me feel better about lying. Why is that an unlikely possibility? Because they're all coupled up now? I don't know why she's so certain of that. She's like, yeah, it's unlikely. She's been a vampire for three sixty-fourths of a second, and she's already an expert. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get thirty? Thirty. Ready to get thirty? Ready to get twenty? Twenty. Twenty. Ready to get twenty? Twenty. Ready to get fifteen? Fifteen. 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 Just fifteen bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So Carlisle says, okay, Bells, I want you to think. Tell me everything you remember. And she must be like making a face at him because she's like, are you serious? Are you for fucking serious, dude? And then he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Of course, you must be thirsty. This can wait. Of course it can fucking wait, Carlisle. And so now that he brought it up that she might be thirsty, she's like, you know what? I am pretty thirsty. And she's being all dramatic about it because she does that thing where she throws her hand up to her neck. (laughs) She's like, oh, I'm so thirsty. Like, we get it. And then while she's holding her throat, she says, oh, the skin of my neck was strange beneath my fingers. It was so smooth, yet it was also soft but it was also hard as stone too. Like she's like, wow, that's what it feels like to touch a vampire. Bitch, you've been fondling Edward for years. Why is she acting like she's never touched a vampire before? 
And so then Edward, he's like, hey, Bells, let's go hunting. And I'm like, can we not just dig out a sippy cup real quick? I know they were running out of blood bags, but they, they didn't pick any up in the past couple of days. No, she's got to go and do a proper hunt. I would have maybe had something on standby just to give her for when she's woken up. But no, they're not very considerate. What have they been doing for two days? And so when he said, let's hunt Bella, she's shocked. She's like, what, me? Hunt? With Edward? But how? I didn't know what to do. Well, you're not taking a gun or anything, dickhead. You're going to use your teeth. She just said she was prepared to be a bloodthirsty newborn. She went in knowing that this would be the case. But now she's like, hunt? Oh, I don't want to hunt. What, did you expect them to Uber Eats you some blood or something, doll? And he's like, don't worry, I'll show you. It's quite easy. And then they laugh about how she'd always wanted to see him hunt. Ha 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 ha. And then she takes a whole second, a whole full second. Wow, that must have taken forever. A whole full second to reminisce about her first few days with Edward. She's like, I don't want to lose my human memories, so I need to think of them so I don't forget them. But she says trying to remember is like trying to squint through muddy water. Yeah, I don't think you're going to forget Edward since he's with you. She says, I would have to make sure those human memories were cemented into my infallible vampire mind. We get it. Vampires are better than humans. I don't know why I'm taking it personally, but she's just ragging on the human experience so much. So then Bella's like, cool, cool, cool. I'd like to see Renesmee, actually. And she feels this disconnect between her and her daughter. She's like, it's difficult to say the name out loud. I guess she's feeling, yeah, disconnected because she's not really seen the kid. It's been a few days. She's a completely different person. She's struggling to reconcile that it's a person that exists outside of her stomach. Whereas it used to just be that little nudger nudging around in her belly, breaking her spine. She's having trouble with that. She says, my hands pulled free of Edwards and dropped to my stomach, flat, empty. I clutched at the pale silk that covered my skin. Okay, so you've got a flat stomach. What are you trying to brag? She's got a flat toned, tight little stum. So good for her. And so Edward and Carlisle are like, uh, prob's not a good idea if you see her. She's half human. Her heart beats, blood runs in her veins. You're probably gonna wanna kill her and drink her blood. And Bella's like, mm, I guess I don't wanna do that. But she's actually thinking about it. I think she's kind of annoyed and she's like, no, I'd like to do it. She goes, was I out of control? Confused? Yes. Easily unfocused? Yes. But dangerous to her? My daughter? It's like, yes, you're dangerous to your daughter. And she's like, no, I don't think so. I would never hurt her. And it's like, well, you're a fucking vampire now. It's a new playing field. There's new rules. So then she tries to listen for Renesmee and she can hear the heartbeat through like the floorboards or whatever. And she says, the sound of the heartbeat was so moist and appealing that my mouth started watering. And it's like, uh, yeah, you're a threat to your daughter, duh. And she goes, mm, yeah, maybe I should hunt first. <laughs> Whoopsie. So Bella asks, is Rosalie with her? And Edward's like, yes. And that's all he says. And she's thinking, hmm, something's up there. Something's up there. I bet they don't want to reveal that Jacob imprinted on the baby. I think they're trying to keep that a secret from Bella for now, which is pretty smart. So then Bella's like, so what about Jacob? What about Charlie? Tell me everything I missed. How long was I unconscious? It's like, I thought we just said no to Carlisle getting answers because you needed to drink. Like that's number one priority. Now she's like, let's just sit down and have a gab. What's happening with Jacob and the gang? What's happening with Renee and Phil? Did Phil win his baseball game? And so the boys are being cagey. Carlisle's like, yeah, you know, nothing's wrong. Nothing's changed that much. Uh, It's only been two days, you know. 
The venom injection straight to your heart was probably a good idea. Jacob's still here. Um, and he skips over that. And then he's like, Charlie thinks you're sick. He thinks you're in Atlanta right now undergoing tests at the CDC. <laughs> okay, fuck. I prefer in the movie where she, he thought she went to Switzerland. And then he says, we gave him a bad number and he's frustrated. So, okay. So Carlisle said, oh, Bella's at the CDC in Atlanta, which is a pretty big fucking deal. Here's a number you can reach her on and the number's not working. And he's just like annoyed at that. He's just frustrated. Can he not Google the CDC? Can he not say operator, put me through to the CDC and like find a number that's not broken? In what world does he just try that one number that a Cullen gives him? And he's like, well, I tried the number and couldn't get a hold of her. Like what? I thought Charlie would be driving down to Atlanta to see her. And then when he'd get there, they'd be like, we don't have a Bella fucking Swan. How is Detective Charlie Swan not cracking this one? And he's not even been speaking to Carlisle. He's been speaking to Esme. So he's never once said to Esme, I'll put the doctor on the phone. My daughter's undergoing tests at the Center for Disease Control. She caught some big old bug in Brazil. And yeah, I'm not that bothered, apparently. Oh, the number didn't work. I'll try again later. What an idiot. And so Bella's like, mm, I should call him. Oh, will he recognize my voice? I do sound like bells ringing now, which actually now that I'm getting it, maybe Stephanie's playing a little bit of a pun with us. Bella's voice sounds like bells. They call her bells and she sounds like bells. Like, is that intentionally hilarious or is that just a coincidence? I don't know. Anyway, so then she's like, wait a minute. What? You said Jacob's still here? What the fuck's he still doing here? And Edward's like, ah, he says, there's lots to discuss. We'll get to that later. Don't, don't you worry about it. And she's like, oh, but Jacob is here. And he's like, da, 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 da. he says, we have all the time in the world for explanations. Just cool your jets. And she's like, okay, okay. And then Alice is like, wait a minute. I know she needs to drink blood stat. She'll probably murder her child if she doesn't drink blood soon. But something more important needs to be done first. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay, Alice, what, what's so important? that we need to delay her hunting and drinking blood and satisfying that bloodlust before this newborn vampire comes into contact with her newborn baby. What, what's so important? And she says, I need to get the mirror. What? She says, you need to see your reflection. Ugh. So apparently this is top tier, must be done. Can't reprioritize this task. So Alice comes in with the big mirror from Rosalie's room. Before she locks eyes on the mirror, she locks eyes on Jasper and she notices how differently he looks. So she says when she was a human, she could see like light scarring on Jasper's face, but not that much. But now looking at him with vampire eyes, you know, she can see a whole new color. Now looking at him with vampire eyes, she sees that he's actually scratched to shit. He has scratches all over his face, like thousands of scratches from his time in the Civil War. Both the real civil war and the vampire civil war. And so she's like, oh, yikes. And she gets really freaked out. And because he can sense mood, he knows that she's disturbed by his face. And he's like, haha, don't worry about it. Poor Jasper. Imagine that having someone seeing your true face for the first time and being so freaked the fuck out that you have to be like, oh, sorry to have that effect on you. That's sad. And so Alice is like, shut up, Jasper. We've got a mirror here, which is more important. And so then she looks in the mirror and she does that thing that human Bella always used to do where she doesn't recognize whoever's in the mirror, even though it's clearly herself. Like she always forgets how mirrors work. 
It's like when she had that nightmare when she was looking in the mirror and she's like, oh, there's my grandma. And she's waving to grandma and her grandma's waving back. And then she's saying something to the grandma and the grandma's saying the same thing back. And then it's like, hello, it's you, you dum-dum. And then on her wedding day, she was looking at the reflection and she was like, oh, that person's also wearing a wedding dress. And it's like, no, that's you, idiot. She can never figure it out. And so she goes, oh, my first reaction looking in the mirror was that this alien creature in the glass was indisputably beautiful. Okay, another backdoor brag. Here she is bragging about how pretty she is under the guise that she thinks it's someone else. Does she think someone lives in the mirror? Like what, what is she thinking? Because she doesn't say I, she says she. She was fluid even in stillness. Her flawless face was pale as the moon against the frame of her dark heavy hair. And then she goes, oh my God, who, who was she? It's, it's you, dickhead. She's like, at first glance, I couldn't find my face anywhere in the smooth, perfect planes of her features. Okay, another backdoor brag. This fucking braggy bitch. She's like, I don't know who that person is. She's so pretty. That person is stunning. Who is that? Guys, who is that stunning person? She says, her face was perfectly composed. A carving of a goddess. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. How pretty am I meant to think this bitch is? I know vampires are generally quite sexy and attractive, but she's, the way she's going up, this person's a goddess. It's like, whoa. Meanwhile, she saw Alice earlier and didn't have this reaction. So it's like, okay, so you think, you, you think you're hot. Just admit it, you think you're hot. And she's still not describing it as herself. She's like, and then her full lips moved as she says something out loud. She says, the eyes, what's wrong with my eyes? And Edward's like, yeah, they'll lighten up. Don't worry about it. Cause she's got those vampire red eyes. He says in a few months, they'll go gold. Don't worry about it. And this must be the thing that spins her out the most. She gets really anxious thinking about how her eyes are going to be that blood red eye. I think maybe cause she's triggered by the Volturi or something. Or maybe when James and Victoria and Laurent were all trying to kill her, she, I don't know, got PTSD from red eyes or something. I don't know, but she's really, really freaking triggered. And she's so anxious and Jasper's stepping forward all worried about her big spike in anxiety. Meanwhile, they said, oh yeah, you can't see your daughter cause you might kill her. And she was like, yeah, cool. <laughs> Not a care in the world. Your dad thinks you're dying in Atlanta at the CDC. She's like, okay, okay. And then she looks at her eyes and she thinks it's going to be months until they turn gold and she's freaked out. That's the, that's the tipping point. But then she pulls it back and she's fine again. And Jasper and Edward are like, how the fuck is she doing this? Edward says, oh, Jasper's wondering how you're doing this. You're controlling your emotions, Bella. We've never seen a newborn do that before. And she's like, huh, really? And he's like, yeah, it's very impressive, Bella, but we don't understand it. We don't know, we don't know what the fuck's going on. And she's like, huh, maybe I'll turn into a monster at any moment. Maybe I'll snap. How interesting. Meanwhile, Alice is still there with the mirror being like, okay, who cares if she's going to turn into a monster at any second and lose control of her emotions? What do you think of your reflection, toots? So Alice really just always has her priorities right, doesn't she? And Bella's like, yeah, it's just fine. She's fine. She, I mean, she's, she's hot. But now she says, I stared at the beautiful woman with the terrifying eyes. That's you, idiot. And she goes, yeah, there's something there in the shape of her lips that looks like mine because it's you. Uh, And then I'm sort of leaning into the comedy of it with her, like not knowing that it's her in the mirror. But then she does that thing where she actually lifts up her arm to see if the mirror version of herself would lift up her arm. So like she genuinely is still not comprehending that that's her in the mirror. 
She says, I raised my hand experimentally and the woman in the mirror copied the movement, touching her face too. It's like, yes, because that's how mirrors work. Because it's you, dummies. I, I do think she's not pieced that together. She can tell when a TV's on mute, but she can't figure out how fucking mirrors work. And so then she looks over at Edward and she goes, you're disappointed? Because I guess she looks so different. And he laughs and says, yes. Oh my God, Edward, what are you doing? First of all, any woman that's just delivered a baby, you say, you look great. You look perfect. Your body's the same as it's always been. You're, you're beautiful. You're stunning. Instead, he's saying, yeah, yeah, you look, you look different and I'm disappointed. Like regardless of that, whether or not she's turned into a vampire, that's not what you say to your wife who's just given birth, idiot. And she has turned into a vampire. So there's another level of complexity there. And it's like, she's going through a lot. Just say, you're great. You're perfect. Instead, he goes, yeah, I am disappointed. And so then she gets all upset. She's hurt. And then that puts everyone on edge because they think, yeah, she's just lost control of her emotions again. And so Edward goes into damage control and he tries to fix it. And he says, oh, no, 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 no. I was hoping that I'd be able to hear your mind now that it is more similar to my own. And yet, no, I still don't know what's going on inside your head. And so she's like, oh, that. Okay, great. So she feels better instantly. He's using the same logic as Alice last chapter when Alice was like, I don't see the future of half breeds. I know vampires because I'm a vampire. I know humans because I was a human, but I don't know werewolves. And now Edward's thinking, oh, I thought I'd hear you better if you're a vampire. What? How would that ever be the case? And Bella says, oh, well, I guess my brain will never work right, but at least I'm pretty. Like, oh, we get it, bitch, you're pretty. And then Edward's like, of course you're pretty. And then they have a little flirt. And then meanwhile, Jasper's thinking in his head being like, can we hurry the fuck up and get her some fresh blood? Like, can we go hunting, please? Like, come on. And Edward's like, fine, fine, let's go. So she says, okay, let's hunt. And she unwraps Edward's arms from around her. And she turns her back on the strange and beautiful woman in the mirror. That's you, dickhead. Stop with the backdoor bragging. And so that's the end of the chapter. So everything's new. Everything's new and exciting. The next chapter is called First Hunt. And I'm, I'm betting that it'll be the first time that she's hunting. So let's pick up next week with that. Uh, I'll remind you guys over on the Patreon, we're looking at Allegiant. For access to those exclusive bonus episodes, just go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books and sign up for $3 a month. You can also access all the old episodes of the Fifty Shades trilogy, the Maze Runner, the other Divergent sequel, Insurgent. Lots of content over there for you to consume if you so wish. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.